Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. This is Max Rushton. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, we talked Harry Kane because it would appear that his people uh, were uh, briefing the press. And John Bruin, the sports writer, had his take on that, which was interesting. Uh, David Alfie Ward, join us, comedian, Spurs fan, podcaster, telling us about his new podcast on the very uh, serious topic of uh, bipolar disorder, something uh, he uh, suffered from. Um, and uh, yes, fascinating stuff. Very interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. And uh, Adam Hills joined us because the last leg is back for the Paralympics, and Adam told us a bit about that. And, and I he... basically tried to get life advice. You did. I that's don't right. think he was as interested in us swapping our lives in no. a sort of more permanent way. I mean, I think way. you know, to, to try and organise that on air as all discovery is yeah. quite difficult. Postcodes and things. Yeah, yeah, I suppose you know that sort of. Attitudes to certain things in the house. You're yeah. right. I should have taken it off air. <laughs> I'm sorry. That, and we had a conversation as well about many things. Uh, here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon, Paul. I thought um, Jim, Simon, Trevor, very interesting show, as it always is. Mm. Um, uh, it was interesting what we were talking about. Uh, the Millwall fans booing the taking the knee and what Gary Rowett said and what he didn't say. And I just... Couldn't disagree more with, with Simon about it. He's not here to defend himself, obviously. Um, uh, not that he would mind rowing with me and wouldn't be surprised that we disagree. I do sympathise with Rowett. I loved him as a player and he's a good man in, in all my experiences and it's much easier for me in this warm studio yeah. to call that out than it is for him as the Millwall manager. But it's interesting, the Carlisle chief executive, Carlisle fans, Boo, taking the knee, their chief executive, Nigel Clibbins, on the same subject has come out very strongly against it. The Cambridge manager and CEO did that last season. We have to put to bed this idea of political ide- ideology and Marxism. It's a total smokescreen for people who don't want equality. Let's just have the quality. It's not good enough. So I, I had to say that, and I'm, uh, you know, uh, obviously people will disagree with me, and I guess that is fine. I, on a bright night, I watched the use on iFollow last yeah. night away at Plymouth. So much fun. You'll be able to do that from from Australia, I, I think. Yes. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. That's, I mean, that's why I'm going <laughs> for, for the iFollow. Get some distance. And yes, better. It's a better reception on iFollow. Yeah, they battered us in the second half. You know, they scored a goal that was disallowed. <laughs> 10 minutes after it went in mm. and it was absolutely brilliant it was offside but the lino didn't flag it as offside and then they all celebrated and then our players went mad you know those kind of yeah. moments and then the ref went to chat to the lino so you're like oh maybe they'll change this and then the lino just stuck his flag up and mm. I thought oh well, this mm. is brilliant they hit the bar in injury time we had one cleared off the line we had one break in the second half we got a penalty the keeper saved it we put in the rebound I mean it, it was like winning the World Cup 
because we did not deserve. <laughs> we deserve nothing from that game, but we fought really hard, and it was nice. It was nice to see my first game of the season. It's only a couple of games in, but do you uh, do you think you're punching above your weight, or, or think you're going to be all right? I think. Uh, do you know there's a big signs. difference between Leagues 1 and 2? Is it a step up Absolutely. in quality? Uh, from what I saw, <clears throat> not yet. Plymouth no. looked good, but yeah. there, were, there was a good sight. You know, we got hammered by Bolton last season and, and uh, Salford hammered us as well. I think we'll be okay. Mm. Um, and that was without Wes Houlihan. doesn't do midweek games. He doesn't, no. no he just no, sits no, no, them no. out. Sort of a bit like my future with Talksport. I'm not mm. going to do midweeks. You know, I'm just not. I'm just too old. I'm just too tired for it. Is this? Is that why he does that? So he's ready. A bit mm. like Ledley. So he, yeah. he rests the knees rest for the knees. Uh, for the weekend. Maybe he just doesn't like working in the evening. Yeah, like, I'll do then. Tuesdays if it's three p.m. I'm not going to do it in the evening. <laughs> um, did you like Ronaldo breaking his silence? Yeah, I was a little bit odd. We might touch on this with John Bruin. I don't quite see what the problem is. You know, I, I can't see why he's got uh, so upset about the concept of people are sort of. There's a bit of conjecture around his career when it suits him. Of course, he's quite happy to have stuff leaked out there about a move. So I don't, you know, you don't think anything less of him as a person because someone has suggested he might go back to Manchester United. It doesn't oh. reflect on him. It's it's you know it. It's, it's the currency of football. It's transfer, tittle-tattle. People don't often believe it, so I don't quite see why why it, 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 why he needed to put a statement now. Yeah. Also a statement that didn't really say anything. No. I mean, that was the beauty of it. You thought if he said, I'm breaking my silence, and he's going to say, mm. I'm not happy at Juve, <clears throat> yeah. I want to move, or I'm happy at Juve, but he didn't. He just said... I remain focused on my career and in yeah. my work. Committed. He says, don't use me effectively. Mm. And well, maybe journalists may turn around and say, well, you know, when it suits you, don't use us. That's a two-way street. Are we know? using him right now? I feel we are in yeah. a way, aren't we? I'd like to apologise <laughs> to Cristiano Ronaldo for using him mm. for this one minute of radio. Well, we're going to talk in a minute about the uh, idea of, um, well, you know, this story has emerged today. Um, uh, Jason Burt has a story in The Telegraph. Uh, about Harry Kane uh, giving the sources, uh, giving uh, his side of the story and, and why he feels he's been wronged at the moment uh, and the situation regarding this gentleman's agreement. And, you know, this is clearly um, someone within his camp briefing journalists to get that side of the story out there. So John Bruin had some thoughts on that, the sports writer, and he'll be joining us to chat about that. But we are at that stage. We often are in lots of big mm. transfer sagas like that. We do reach the agents briefing journalists or the sources. Have you ever been briefed? Has anyone said, could you just drop this in the show? Um, has, uh, has that ever happened? A couple of, couple of times, yeah, in the past. I know someone was looking for a move. And, um, and I thought you and Andy would be the place. Well, I don't know why they thought that. Maybe they, we, we were just one of, we were part of a sort of drip feed <laughs> process to to get the word out there. Or someone who was looking for a new club who was who was like, people, he kept saying, the player was saying, people don't know that I'm, I'm a free agent, so can you get me on? And we were quite happy to get the person on and have a chat about him. Do you think any, know he was available and he got picked up. Yeah, do you think any listeners, if they want any, if they want to just brief us mm. today on the show yeah. about anything to do with their sure. life, just to drip it into the public consciousness, mm. If anyone has any it news... It could thing, help them out. They might get the move to a new job they want. You know, mm, absolutely. Like if it's yeah. a work-based thing or a relationship-based yeah. thing, you just want to drop something into, yeah, just just to be part of the narrative. Yeah. 8, 10, 89. Okay, um, do just, let us know, you know this brief, We'd like to be briefed, please. I saw a little bit about what to wear at York Races. Um, it is the Royal Ascot, they call it, of the North. 
the uh, Ebor Festival. It's not it's not top hat and tails, but it's you know the ladies very smart, they're beautifully dressed with the big hats, the kind of ascot styley. The men normally sort of uh, you know traditional suits rather than top hat and tails, as we said. Although I did see one strand that said you can get away with tailored shorts mm-hmm. with a jacket, shirt, and tie, which is a very odd look. Um, and it was a guy who sort of in a, in what looked like a linen, a beige suit with the with the beige uh, khaki shorts. And I put it to Rupert bell that if anyone could carry it off today at york he could um it did say you have to um, fake tan your legs which apparently he hadn't done lizzie tells us oh, so dear. rupert it, has let talk it's, sport down it's again. not a look he can he can sport today but we just wondered about some of the odd dress codes that uh, you either adhered to or expected to or indeed um flouted uh, i have one to kick us off mm, from adam yeah. i once worked at a place which permitted a beard <clears throat> Mm. but did not permit being unshaven. Yeah. Therefore, in order to have a beard, you needed to take a holiday <clears throat> and return mm. with a beard. Yeah. So you <laughs> couldn't you couldn't grow the beard while at work. You'd go away for two weeks and oh, come really? back and be allowed the beard, but there was, the no, beard. there was no stubble allowed. <laughs> well, that's a difficult one. But well, yeah, those please. Do let us know and to brief us. Uh, to get in touch as always, talksport.com forward slash H&J, text to 81089 or tweet to uh, TSH&J. I think it's fair to say that uh, all of us involved with the show, are up, like a lot of people, are really shocked and saddened by the news of Sean Locke uh, earlier yeah. on today. He was a regular guest on the show over the years. Um, join us at Cheltenham as well. We'd see Sean with, with Lee Mack, they're good mates, and they would go along to Cheltenham and we'd We'd go and have a beer. He was he was great company. He was great company in the studio whenever he came in, and um, just used to love coming and talking Chelsea with us. Um, yeah. It's interesting listening back to some of his chats with us. A lot of them were just pretty straight football chats because I think he you know, he was always funny when he came in. He was funny bones. He was a funny man, but he he loved coming in and talking a bit of football. And uh, and we'll we'll miss the laughs and we'll miss that. Yeah, it's a real shock, isn't it? Because we sort of found out what an hour ago, like everyone's a couple mm. of hours ago, and and. Like you, I'd interviewed him a, a, a lot of times. Yeah. Didn't know him particularly well, sort of off, off camera, off the ra- you know, not on the radio. But I, I was saying to you before, he was, he was hard to interview because he was so <clears throat> sharp. Yeah, he was so dry. He was so much more quick, quicker witted mm. than I am. You know, which will surprise nobody. That you absolutely, ha- you knew when Sean was coming on, you had to be kind of on. Yeah. You know, there are some interviews where you can just sit back, but you knew because he was so good. And I guess part of you wants to sort of keep up with whoever you're interviewing yeah. but he was a yeah and you see the number of tributes coming in from oh, yeah. especially the world of comedy that he was such an inspiration to so many and he was so loved by so many mm. it's just a lovely bloke those people that spent time you spent a bit of time with him sort of off air yeah, yeah he was I did. a he really was, lovely man yeah he was he was he was always good value and I remember the sort of last time I saw him was at our mutual friend Andy Smart's birthday bash and it was one of those things where you know, I said hello, Sean, how are you doing? And I speak to you later and he goes off to one side of the room and I'm in another and you're chatting and then the kind of evening runs away from you. And I, just as I was leaving, I saw him and he said, we never had that chat. And I said, look, mate, you know, plenty of time for that. I'll see you soon. Um, so you I never know, that. do you? Yeah, you never know. And it's all those cliches about life being short and, you know, you can't live every day like your life. It's an unrealistic thing mm. to do, but it's a, whenever something like that happens... You know, and a lot of people have experienced that in lots of different ways in the last two years, more than normal. It is, you know, 
makes you step back and think, doesn't it? And it's it's such a great shame. And he was just a tremendously funny man. Yeah. There are a couple of clips that are brilliant. One of him just laughing hysterically at, at uh, on eight out of ten cats, not delivering his lines, but just being such a generous yeah. guest as well. Because part of comedy, you know, comedy is very perspe- um, very competitive, isn't it? And what he was so good good at was affording other people the time and and appreciating them as well. Well, um, we'll be speaking to Adam Hills and David Alfie Wall, both comedians very much on the circuit who uh, knew and loved Sean, I'm sure. And we'll be uh, paying further tributes, uh, I'm sure, throughout the afternoon. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Paul Hawksby and Max Rushton here on TalkSport. We were saying yesterday that maybe the radio silence from the Harry Kane camp wasn't doing him any favours, particularly with the Spurs fans in light of the song Are You Watching Harry Kane at the Man City game the other day. Well, um, today we did get uh, some uh, feedback uh, indirectly uh, via the press as to what's going on. Um, and it comes down to Harry Kane believing he had the gentleman's agreement uh, in place that he could go if Spurs underachieved the following season. He also uh, felt hard done by the club, didn't put the right information out uh, over his extended break. Um, so we are reaching that stage where, you know, effectively journalists are... Sources are, mm. uh, are speaking to journalists to get their side of the story across. Um, joining us now to chat about that, tweeting about it today, uh, saying maybe we need a more direct approach, was uh, sports writer John Bruin. Good afternoon, John. Hello there, Paul. How are you? Good, thank you. It is, it's almost like, um, you know, a, a bitter transfer story by numbers, really. We, and, and this is the stage we're at now. Yes, yes. Um, Harry, Harry Kane's... Uh, management or the management of Harry Kane's people, let it's put that way. Um, I think I think they've tried uh, to, to, to skirt on the side of not trying to uh, upset the fans, but the way it's being played out at the moment. I mean, anyone who read the pieces in the papers overnight, and you know, all very well sourced pieces uh, by by good journalists, mm. we know that. Um, 
will have no doubt what his intentions are, but it's slightly done on the... It's, they're not getting the full picture. I personally think that Harry Kane probably needs to come out and say, listen, this is actually what I want, and give his own view, because that sort of... Those whispers, and they weren't really whispers, actually. It couldn't be much more explicit, really. They're not really doing him any favours. I know you're a Spurs fan, Paul, and I know that Max is of that persuasion, too. Um, what do you think about him? He, he, he doesn't want to cut off his relationship with Spurs fans, but I don't think he's going about it the right way. I, I, look, I still think that if, if the price was right, he could still get his move, but... Um... The moment the tariff was set, if you like, with the Grealish move, then yeah. I think you know that 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 um, that, that tariff at um, Harry Kane was was pretty huge, and it probably is a fifty million more than than Jack Grealish when you consider what he brings to a team. So I think if you get up to one hundred and fifty million, maybe Daniel Levy will go back to the table, but I'm not altogether sure he will at one hundred and twenty-five. What's the um, John? What's the the downside of Harry Kane? just coming out and saying what he wants? Is that a, a loyalty bonus that he loses? Is that financial? Well, I'm yeah, I imagine there's some element of... You know, if, when players put in official transfer requests, there's always this idea, isn't there, that they will lose some element of, of, of loyalty bonus within the contract, that, they, that, that the payoff that they get from leaving the club to go on to the next club. Um, but aside from the technicalities, I, I think I, I'd imagine that uh, at this point, with the, the, the transfer window slowly ticking on, or probably rapidly ticking on in the case of Harry Kane, they don't want to put themselves in a position where a public statement, an interview or whatever can be thrown back against him when he has to play for Tottenham on, say, September the 2nd, uh, and he's still a Tottenham player. Um, I would suggest that those managing this situation, um, and, and it does look like uh, there's been a professional PR agency called in to manage this a little bit more, um, as Paul said before, they're going through it by numbers a little bit um, and we just have to wait and see if he is prepared to push the button and say, hey, listen, I want to get out of there. But uh, as Paul also said, uh, the fact is, do Manchester City want to pay that amount of money? They've kept pretty quiet, haven't they? So mm. do, we, do we think then that there was a moment mm. where him and mm. we know his, his agent is his brother and whoever they had around them were basically sitting and go, what do you think we do? Do we not come back? Do we come back a week late? And then they just, or they sent out that tweet and they were mm. sat in a room together <clears> going, <throat> I wonder what the reaction is. Either we're going to just, do you think it was genuinely like a sort of weird sitcom? Well, well his, his argument is he didn't come back a week late. He had, he had the blessing of the club to go to Florida after he'd been away to have an extra week off. And that wasn't communicated maybe in the right way, or maybe internally or to the fan base. And that's, you know, I can understand why if your side of the story is not getting told, mm. you don't, you know, want to openly break cover and say, OK, let me spell it. You don't want to go into a war of words with the chairman. That's not helpful because this is quite delicate. But it just strikes me, John, the bottom line is it is a bit show us the money. There's the valuation. Yeah. Maybe, you know, ultimately, if they're going to come back to the table and keep discussing this, it's got to be the kind of valuation that the club has. I mean, OK, I think there is some movement on 160. I'm sure the chairman will be the first to say that. But it's probably not one two five. It may be somewhere in between. Yeah, exactly. And 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 this is the thing, isn't it? At the moment, the story is all about Harry Kane, the player, and what his next movements are. Yet we aren't actually seeing any movement from City and Tottenham. They're almost sitting back and 
letting this play out. And as you say, Daniel Levy will will have a figure in his mind to go back to the table. Manchester City obviously have their figure in mind. The 125 million is the the figure that's quoted at the moment. Um, the, the one thing you would say is that, uh, judging by the game between the two clubs at the weekend, uh, what do Manchester City need? They need a striker. Mm. And um, as as far as I understand and as far as is reported, they don't really seem to have another target. So um, it may well be that they're prepared to go into the season without a striker. But but the one thing that Daniel Levy does know is that they do have the money should they, should they wish to sign the player. Mm. I mean, there was a story, Jonathan Northcroft writing in the Sunday Times the other day, John, that... I don't know where this story came from, but Jonathan was saying there was a bit of a feeling in the Kane camp potentially that they might have to knuckle down for one more year. With two years left on the contract, that may become what some clubs would regard a more sensible price uh, to get him out of the club. The only danger with that, of course, is that um, buyout clause kicks in for Holland, and uh, there would be interest there. And maybe, it, you know, it could be, as Andy Jacobs has been saying, it could be a kind of... A Wilfred Zaha situation. You spend so long at a club, it gets to the point where you, you know, you can't go. Yes, yeah, and and, and at that point, uh, Harry Kane has to do some element of reparations with the fans, doesn't he? Which, as as I said before, I think he's been pretty careful about. Mm. Um, while also, <laughs> the fact is, if you want to leave a club, um, some fans aren't going to be very happy about it. Mm. Other fans may sympathise with you. And he's tried to skirt that line. You can't have it both ways. Do you want to leave the club or not? Well, we all know that he wants to leave the club. Um, he's going to have to accept that some Tottenham fans are not going to accept that. And if he has to stay, then how does he win the back over? Well, he plays like Harry Kane does. And, yeah. and that's probably the best way to, to, to see it through. As you say, um, the Holland um, is a factor to introduce next year. Though There'll be other clubs competing for him. Uh, and the likes of Mbappe, and you've got this... Yeah, the, the transfer market could be very different a year from mm. now. Yeah, I don't doubt. I mean, we saw it with Luka Modric. I don't doubt another player who said he wanted to go. He actually said, I want to go to Chelsea. Um, <laughs> and um, he came back. Look, he didn't have the best season ever in a Tottenham shirt, but he certainly put a shift in and played well, and the fans got behind him. And, and personally, if he ran out after the window, closed the first game of September... You'd be booing him when you no. boo, boo. No, I mean, you know, he's, he's still playing for Spurs and, you know, I think he is a good pro and I would expect him and I'm, I'm sure he would give everything in the, the remaining time he was there. But um, we'll see how it pans out, John. Good to talk to Cheers, you. John. Thanks very much. Cheers, lads. John Bruin there, sports writer on the uh, latest twist in the Harry Kane saga. But I still think that there is a deal to be done, but it's only for the right money. Yeah, we asked if people... <clears throat> wanted to brief us as journalists uh, so we could drip feed stories to the media. Um, uh, Jay in Cheadle mm. Hume says, uh, I'm getting married in October. It's a briefing. We just want money, not a toaster, knives and forks, <laughs> etc. Uh, great show, this one. Can you drop to the listeners subtly that even though it's hot and balmy, this is the best time to have your boiler serviced? That's from Jamie, the boiler man. Yeah, okay, it's a good so time dripping them about, in. Yeah, good time to think about having your boiler serviced. I was just serviced, thinking about having yeah. my boiler serviced, Paul. I don't know about you. Yeah, well, I'm th this is the perfect time. I know it's hot and balmy, but it is the perfect really time is. of year to do it because you, know, you don't boiler. want to come in. Once it's broken down and it's, you know, minus three, it's the last time you can't have a bath. Absolutely the worst time to switch on your boiler and yeah. it not work is when the first time you really want it. Yeah, that's, it? that's, yeah. that's very true. Only there was Just, someone yeah, who could help, like Jamie out there mm. who could help. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. 
Good afternoon, Paul Hawksby and Max Rushton here on Talk Sports. Uh, well, our next guest has popped in to see us a few times over the years and been uh, very upfront uh, and honest about his mental health that, that almost did take him to the brink. Um, he has now produced uh, a three-part podcast that, uh, that discusses that. Uh, he is comedian and uh, Spurs fan and podcaster, David Alfie. Well, David, good to Hello, see you. Hello, guys. Good to see you. Good, good to be back. How are you? Yeah, good. Yeah, good Lovely to you. see you. you. I mean, so you, you've joined us before. You talked about uh, your mental health story, your battles with bipolar disorder. And one of the reasons for doing this podcast is to just to highlight to other people, there may be people out there like you who didn't spot the signs and didn't know that was what was wrong. Yeah, so every time I come in here, I briefly speak about my, my battles with bipolar and depression and suicidal tendencies and I have people reach out to me saying I'm going to tell my wife, I'm going to tell my doctor, I'm going to tell my partner and I'm like well that's great that you know people are not realising that they're, they're not alone. Um, so then kind of lockdown gave me uh, enough time, um, I wanted, wanted to do this podcast for a while and with the comedy clubs closed I was mm. like well I've got all this time and why don't I use it to do something you know that might be able to help, should be able to help other people. I, I have a, what I presume is a very simplified probably sort of embarrassingly cliched view of what bipolar is what, yeah. what actually is it so a lot of people think it's like uh, schizophrenia you tell people oh I've, you've, I say I've got bipolar they go oh is it multi-personalities no no it's not it just means sometimes I'm happy and sometimes I'm sad and when I'm sad sometimes it can be unbearable and when I'm happy it can also be unbearable to the fact where I'm dancing around the aisle of a supermarket singing Staying Alive in a Battenberg. And I'm like, well, that's just me because I'm a comedian, I'm a character. And what I didn't realise when I was doing that stuff, I was just at the other end of the spectrum. Mm. I was, sometimes I'm really sad and sometimes I'm really happy. But why would I tell anyone about that? Because mm. I'm just a character, you know? So it's, but it doesn't have to be like a yo-yo. It doesn't have to be happy, sad, happy, sad. It could be weeks of one and then weeks of another. And sometimes you just level out for a while when you're... Plain sailing. It's how did hard. The, how did the diagnosis sort of finally come about? Did you, did you feel let down at, at times because it hadn't been spotted before because um, you were having problems? I, I I tried to commit suicide twice, and it was on the second suicide attempt that somebody actually, a psychiatrist actually saw me and was like, "You're actually showing classic signs of bipolar." And then I was like, "Okay." So I started to do my research, started talking to therapists and um, my psychiatrist, and I was like. I was showing a lot of classic signs of bipolar, but I just didn't know what to look out for. And that's what I want to do with this podcast in, uh, in David Alfie Ward, Bipolar and I, is people can listen and then they might be able to hear stuff that maybe they are experiencing or a loved one mm. is experiencing. And they can, you know, it led me all... I, I went to the doctors and I couldn't find help because I was getting, I was getting help for the wrong mental health. Mm. I was just getting help for depression. But when you've got bipolar, you need like a mood stabiliser. If you just take an antidepressant, it's actually going to spiral you into deep depression. Right. So then I thought, well, I've, I've, I've got all the help that, you know, people tell you, they say, go and get help. So I got help and it didn't help me. It made me worse. So then I started self-medicating with alcohol, you know, adult parties, spending money I didn't have. And this is all in the podcast. It's all there. Bear, I lay it all bare. Mm. Um, and, and once you get the diagnosis and once you get the right treatment, how life-changing is that? It's like, I'm, I'm a completely different person now. I really see my life as like, uh, like pre and post suicide attempts. Like the, the circles I move in, the way that I act, like just over lockdown, I realise now being a comedian, I'm I'm just a gob on a stick, right? And I can tell my story because that's what comedians do. You know, if you if you trip up down the stairs, you tell that story on stage, that's what we do. And I tripped up and tried to try to end my life. So why not talk about that? And that's all I'm doing here is it was it was life changing. I'm a different person now and I just want to, you know, spread awareness. 
you know, lockdown, I started something called David's Coffee Club, mm-hmm. where I knew that people would be struggling to, to see, they're not being able to see friends and loved ones. So I did a virtual coffee club where people could contact me on Instagram, uh, arrange to meet me for a coffee virtually, would have a coffee, would just chat. Didn't have to be about mental health. Could be about football, the weather, whatever. And I had people from all over the world reach out that I've never met. And I was like, well, this, you know, maybe I've got something that I can help yeah, people. Yeah, you're making a difference. Who do, who do you talk to in the pod? Uh, in the pod, I speak to uh, a good friend of mine, a wonderful Lara Cross, and she's a therapist in training. And uh, a girl that I met, actually, she was at one of my comedy shows and she chatted me up in the bar afterwards. You know, it's very common. And, <laughs> and um, she she's a therapist in training and she was chucked into the deep end because when she chatted me up, she did not realise that only a month before I tried to jump in front of a train. And here I am, she's thinking, getting my number, just, you know, maybe go out for a drink and I'm crying down the phone. Wow. Good it, friend. Yeah. And I mean, are there things, there may be people out there listening today who, who I mean, we'll, we'll listen to the podcast, but I mean, I don't know if it's something you can, you can say sort of quickly, but are there, are there very obvious signs that people miss, you think, around bipolar? Yeah, overspending is one of them. So uh, it's very it's like credit card, stuff like that. You know, that's going to make me happy. That's going to make me happy. I bought a thousand pound chair once. Thousand pound chair. Mm. And I said, that is because that's the answer. It's going to make me happy. And and it, it, I mean, was it a good chair? No, it wasn't. It was like one of those bespoke. <laughs> it was like, and then my mum moved house and I was touring Australia doing stand up. And then I come back. And I was like, mum, where's that chair? She goes, that old thing is in the shed. Rusted. <laughs> How much you pay for that? 50 quid? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's an interesting well. thing about people... From my understanding, and, and certainly not any, you know, I've, I've never experienced anything like it, but my understanding is that searching for help is a hard thing to do. Like admit, like acknowledging that something isn't right or that you don't feel right or, or asking people for help is quite a difficult thing to do yeah. for some people. Yeah, it is. And if by listening to the podcast, if they can identify some signs and they might not feel they're alone in what they're feeling mm. and then it's easier to reach out because it's easier to, to put your hand up if you're not the only person putting your hand up, you know? But if you think you're the only one that's going to reach out, then it's harder. You just stay quiet. And what about people who, you know, cause I've had friends who've had mental health problems. I haven't had them. So I'm always really conscious about trying to say the right thing and trying to do the right thing and trying to offer the right thing rather than, you know, it's quite often you sort of glibly send a message to someone saying, look, anything you need. Yeah. And I don't know if that is helpful or too vague. or And also you don't want to sort of message someone every day going, how are you today? How are you today? Finding that balance is difficult. Yeah, the, the, how are you today? You know, are you happy today? Spurs won. That stuff, don't do it, right? Mm. Um, but, you know, just being there to listen, you don't have to say anything. Mm. But you can be there to listen. Call them up. Call them up and you don't have to say a word. Just let them talk and that will honestly be do the world of difference, Max. Mm. So where where can we download the podcasts? So it's it's everywhere uh, mm-hmm. that you usually get your podcasts: Apple, Google, Spotify, all those. It's called David Alfie Ward, Bipolar, and I. Uh, the photos by uh, Jack Margerson, and um, yeah, it's been great. It's been it's been so far. It's only been out a couple of days, and it's getting lots of listens and lots of great feedback. That's fantastic. Excellent. Well, yeah, yeah um, um, we 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 talk a bit of football. You are a contributor to. Uh, a Spurs podcast, The Fighting Cock, and you are a big uh, Spurs fan. And we were chatting with John Bruin earlier on as we reached the the stage where Harry Kane's camp seemed to be briefing journalists. I mean, how would you feel? I, I said that if, if he came back September the 1st and was still a Tottenham player, you know, I, I wouldn't have an issue with that. You, has it gone too far for you or not? I, I wouldn't have an issue of it, but there is a bit of a bitter, bitter taste for me. Um, I feel like if he were to go, I wouldn't be as heartbroken. It's kind of made that that break up a little more easy to bear because mm. you're like, you know, if you don't want to be there, don't be there. 
But if it turns out that, you know, you can't get the move, the money's not right and stuff like that, um, I, I don't think any Spurs fans will fully turn their back on him. I mean, that'd be ludicrous, really, after what he's, he's yeah. done for us. Is it easier to say that given how good Sunday was? Yeah, I mean, I'm just enjoying watching Spurs again because yeah. it was a long time I wasn't enjoying it. So yeah. I went there with no hope. I think I messaged Paul and said, you know, maybe see you in, in Beaver Town to drown our sorrows before the game. And, you know, it was no sorrows being drowned. It was just, mm. it was just a feel-good performance. I think yes, I had a very similar... We were chatting to uh, Brett Goldstein about it the other week and I was saying I've got... I quite low expectations and that's no reflection on the players or the manager, but... You know, I just didn't want to get... I didn't know what to expect of Nuno's team, which is essentially the same team that we had before. Mm. But I saw a lot of positive signs. I saw him getting a tune out of players like Davison Sanchez. I'd not seen. I saw Delhi, you know, working really hard, almost like, you know, he ran more than anybody else on the pitch. And there was some good signs there. Yeah, Bergwijn as well, I think. You know, okay, he he missed a good chance, didn't he? But... He uh, he worked his socks off. He was he was backtracking. He was. I think there's a player there. He needs to get ten percent better at everything he does. And if he can do that, <laughs> yeah. there's a good player. But I mean, that's a big ask, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the joy of Nuno is he isn't Jose, right? I mean, that's, yeah, that's yeah. The, that, that is think... the one thing, right? It's a massive advantage yeah. for anyone who came in there. Yeah. Um, and finally, uh, uh, yeah, I thought um, that needed a bigger yeah, yeah like a no, cheer, no, like no, a no, round no, of like, applause. Way! Thank yeah. you so much. <laughs> And, and say one look at social media today tells you how much uh, Sean Lott was respected as a comedian and and loved as a comedian and loved as a guy as well. Actually, um, yeah. you, it's interesting. You, you're kind of relatively relatively new to the scene compared with Sean, um, and you you never really got a chance to know him, but you admired him, didn't I, you? I was one of my idols growing up. I always watched panel shows, and I was like, I want to try stand up. He's one of my favourites, and he was a working class voice. Which I come from a single parent in East London. Like I didn't feel like there might have been a voice for me in in, in stand up, and and Sean proved there was, and you know a friend was just texting me now who's paying you know our tributes and my friend Darren Harriet who's you know new new Sean said he used to write jokes uh, in a suit and tie because he felt that he was at work <laughs> and I was like that just sums him up really as a, as a really really nice down-to-earth guy lovely guy and a, you know thoughts go out to his fam- family Absolutely. and friends yeah you forget three three kids and stuff it's, uh, it's tough well lovely to see you you Thank too you. thanks for having me very best we wish yeah. you well with a podcast just remind us what it's called again David Alfie Ward Bipolar and I I'm at David Alfie Ward on Instagram and Twitter it's in my bio it's my pinned tweet so check it out follow me and uh, hopefully I'll come to your show near you the comedy clubs are open again so I'm, That's I'm right, so yeah. happy you can get out and yeah, work again back and is it, work. just one final has it changed your stand up I mean you said you know is it is your stand up approach different now you're kind of yeah, on a level I try and like. talk about it more and make jokes about it and stuff like that and uh, yeah I, I've really grown as a comedian in the last yeah, yeah since, since it I've we're, just tweeted out the, the uh, pod details and, yeah, and we'll we will do it from, from the TSA. Thank, Thank, Thank you so much, guys. Good to see you. All the best. Thank you. Take care. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Bit of breaking news coming out of uh, Manchester City. Mm-hmm. City underscore extra have tweeted. Official Manchester City have confirmed that fans will not be forced into eating their edible coffee cup and will also have the option to place the cups into composting waste streams if preferred. So I've looked at this this up. Mm. Um, yeah, for the first time on campus, an edible coffee cup will also be introduced. This fantastic and innovative solution provides an amazing solution to waste. Just eat your cup. These will be trailed alongside our, uh, alongside our full barista service of hot drinks outside the stadium in City Square, opposite the west entrance. But it does say, and this is important, fans will have the option to put these cups in our composting waste stream yeah. If preferred, I'm not so sure you, I could finish a whole cup 
Uh, you we know, can have half a cup. Have a bite out of a cup. I want to have a bite out of a cup. They yeah. don't say what flavour the cup is. But well, it's quite, just, I imagine it's quite coffee-fied by that stage. It's infused never, with coffee. You never know. It, really? could take a lamb, couldn't yeah. it? Roast lamb. I'll have, I'll have a macchiato in yeah. a roast pork cup, please. But yeah, you don't a, have to, you, if you don't want to eat the edible cup, you don't have to eat the edible cup. It's well, important news for Manchester City. This is, this is what they want. Mm. Uh, I haven't got round to the fact that cuttlefish have better memories than humans and can recall exactly what they had for dinner every day of their lives, apparently. How They're varied in, is the diet of a cuttlefish? Well, uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, the, I had lasagna on Tuesday the 15th of April, 1987. They are <laughs> among the most uh, intelligent animals on the planet, which does beg the question, why haven't four of them got together and popped up on the chase a made a few quid really good idea no one or at thought least that through. they could start a podcast couldn't they, they could yeah I'd listen to we it we could get them on late nights on TalkSport the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport Now, the Paralympics gets underway next week, and as we were saying before, Channel 4 always does a fantastic job with it, and uh, very much part of its uh, coverage of the Paralympics is the last leg. That's where the show, of course, kicked off Mm -hmm. back in uh, 2012 during London. They're going to be doing an hour show uh, every night uh, live, uh, and joining us now, the the, uh, host of the show, Adam Hills. Adam, good afternoon. Afternoon, gentlemen. It's incredible. When you said, yeah, I quite fancy doing this uh, Paralympic comedy show with uh, Josh Whitaker and Alex Brook, little did you think, here we are, what, uh, you know, nine years later, and it's still going strong. I mean, when we first started doing the shows during uh, 2012, we used to have a little saying to ourselves every now and again, which was, what are they going to do, sack us? (laughs) (laughs) We thought we were there for 10 nights and that was it. And then I think by the end of it, we kind of thought, Oh, I wouldn't mind doing this every four years, um, but at no point did we think we'd be on in the four years in between each Paralympics. And and you know, Channel Four done such a brilliant job with promoting the Paralympics, haven't they? They do, and I think part of it is you know normally uh, uh, before twenty twelve, the, the the broadcaster that had the Olympics just had the Paralympics, and the Paralympics always felt like. And not intentionally, it just felt like a bit of an afterthought. And I think 2012 was the first time that a different broadcaster had the Paralympics. And I think Channel 4 saw it as a bit of a challenge to kind of go, all right, let's see what we can do with this. And I think it really has changed the face of disability sport and the face of the Paralympics generally. Do you think it's helped sort of normalise dis- disability as well? Well, absolutely. And if you look at the ads that they use, like in, 20, in 2012, it was Meet the Superhumans and it was a public enemy song and it was really in your face and like, these are the people you're going to you're going to come across over the next couple of weeks and then in 2016 in rio it was yes we can and it was you know the people that we've shown you they are amazing and then this year there's been a lovely twist in the in the campaign and it's been more like uh they're human they're not superhuman they're human they work their butts off for four years they strive they have blisters they have rashes they have bumps and bruises just like every other athlete and so yeah it's it is. It has been a lovely journey from meet the superhumans. They can do anything, but they work really hard to get there. Yeah, and all the stories are exactly the same as the ones that we see in the Olympics. Everybody's had their different routes into it. Everybody's got their backstories. I mean, it's, that's the great thing about the Paralympics. It it does have a life of its own, and and all that kind of human drama is there. 
I think more so than the Olympics. Mm. I think the, 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 we joke about how boring the Olympic backstories are. What happened? You, <laughs> you, you were really good at something then you, when you were six and you've kept doing it ever since and now you're 20. <laughs> that is not, that's not a backstory. Yeah, you know? it's so true. It's, it's, you've got a point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a backstory is I lost my legs when I was 10. They told me I couldn't walk and now I'm the fastest man on blades. That's mm. a backstory. Yeah. Yeah, it's so it's uh, Josh and Alex with you. I take it. Who else is part of the team? Absolutely. Well, unfortunately, we can't go to Tokyo mm. this year. So we'll be here in London, back in the studios that we were in in 2012 out at the Olympic Stadium. Um, Rosie Jones is going to be on the ground in Tokyo. Uh, she's a comedian with cerebral palsy. The lovely thing about Rosie is. We thought we'd send her to Tokyo as the lone British voice in the stadium full of Japanese fans, but it turns out she's going to be the lone voice of any kind in a completely empty stadium. Yeah, that's right. There are going to be no crowds, they've confirmed, over the last couple of days, which wasn't a massive surprise, really. No, and look, Rosie's loud enough to to be heard in a crowd. (laughs) (laughs) In an empty stadium, you're not going to miss her. Yeah. Now, Paul, you should ask rugby league-based questions before I get onto my very selfish topic okay. of spending half your time in Australia and half your time in yeah, London. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, because last time we spoke, Adam, was around the Rugby League World Cup and then we had the news that uh, that some of your compatriots didn't fancy coming. Actually, to be fair, it was the administrators, not the players. They were very much up for coming. It's a real blow, isn't it? I mean, you play rugby league with Warrington, a physical disability team there, and and uh, you were banging the drum for the tournament. I think we were all looking forward to it. But look, it's it's now postponed for a year, which is a blow. And I, I honestly think it, it's probably for the best. I think the situation in Australia right now, you know, it's, it's hard to... I, I completely understand... Um, why they made that decision, but I also understand how horrifically it's affected the tournament over here. But, you know, my mum lives in Sydney. They've been in lockdown for eight weeks. Mm. All the NRL players are based in Queensland. Uh, They're playing there. The idea that when, regardless of what happened in the World Cup, they would still have to go into a hotel quarantine for two weeks. I mean, there's there's some Olympic athletes that have to spend four weeks in hotel quarantine when mm. they came home when they come home from Tokyo mm. to Australia. So it's 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 a completely different landscape over there. And I really do think in 12 months time it'll probably be the best World Cup that it could have been. Adam, can I ask you split your time between Australia and the UK? Is that a yes. sensible way to enjoy a happy life? I'm not asking for anyone specifically, yeah. although I'm about to do that in, about a, week, to do that, in a week's yeah. time. I would, pre-pandemic, I would say that's a fantastic way to spend your life. I, I mean, I don't know how often you intend to go back and forth, but every time I go back to Australia right now, I have to spend two weeks in a hotel quarantine mm-hmm. um, with no fresh air, no windows that open and no human contact. Yep. And then in order to get out of Australia to come back over here, I have to apply for an exemption mm-hmm. uh, and prove that I'm a UK resident. So, I mean, if you're willing to go through all of that, <laughs> go I, for I mean, it. I'm going in a week, Adam. There's not much I can do about no, it. It's a bit too late. It is a bit too late, isn't it? I did, I did wish that they vaccinated maybe three people in Australia yeah. in the last six months. But, you know, you're you're the benchmark, Adam. That's why I'm just looking at you going, he's doing this and it's successful. It'll Listen. be a tough few months, but then it'll be fine after that. I'll give you all the tips you need for those first two weeks in hotel quarantine. Do it. Do a grocery shop online so that you've got snacks whenever you feel like them. Mm-hmm. Uh, change your underwear every day so that you feel fresh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and exercise. I ran five kilometres a day in my hotel room between the window and the door. Really? What, just tapping the window and tapping the door back and forth like that? 
Yeah, they were like, I mean, they were virtually like rugby league shuttle runs, except they were 10 metres. <laughs> uh, and I, I would do that, what, 500 times a day. Wow, we hey, well, there's things, something to do, something to fill with time, isn't you it? Get yourself, you could be like the cooler king. You've got to get yourself a baseball and just sit there and just bang it on the wall. I thought keep... if Adam and I timed it, we, we we could just have two houses, we could have one house in each place and just keep swapping. Yeah, you know? okay. Well, oh, is, yeah, sure, is, more than happy to try that. Is May all right with you? I'll be in London from May. You can go back in, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Is that an yeah, off-air no, that's, chat? That's, or? That's, it probably is an off-air chat. That's about what I'm looking forward to going back. Okay, perfect, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Uh, and, and finally, Adam, we, we had some incredibly sad news this morning about about Sean Locke, and a number of people have been have been paying tributes uh, today. Understandably, fellow comedians, um, and I, 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 I don't know if he was a guest on the last leg over the years, but you, you would have known him from the circuit, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I reckon I've known Sean on and off for about twenty years. Mm. Um, doing, you're right, doing the circuit, doing Edinburgh. He was on the original series of the last leg in London, 2012, and. I remember, I mean, it really says a lot about disability awareness and how far we've come, where if you look at all of the jokes Sean Locke has made over the years, I remember him being on the last leg and saying, I had to hold back so I wasn't sure what jokes I could make about disability. Hmm. Um, and it was a really lovely sign of, I think, how far we've come that, I, that you know, if we had Sean on this series, I, he would have absolutely let rip. But, yeah, it's... It's, it's really, really sad. And if you look on Twitter today or on Instagram and you just see the outpouring of love for Sean from other comedians that knew him and those that look up, looked up to him and just even the amount of texts I've had from people today, just friends back in Australia just saying, hope you're doing okay. Hmm. I think just people realise how much of an effect he had on other comedians and how influential he was, not just as a comedian, but... As a person, mm. he was a really, really, really lovely man. And, um, yeah, we're, we're all really going to miss him. Absolutely. Adam, good to talk to you. We Thank look you, forward Adam. to the last leg. You, you start next Tuesday. It's uh, for an hour, 10 o'clock in the normal slot, and you'll be doing it throughout the, the games. Every night of the Paralympics. Brilliant. Okay. Thanks, Adam. Take care. Cheers, gents. Adam Hills there, your host, along with uh, Alex Brooker and Josh Whittacombe and Rosie Jones over in Tokyo to bring you uh, the last leg of Tokyo 2020. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Would you like the Daily Star fact of the day? Yeah, go on then. Yeah, I'm, uh, it's, uh, it's animal-based, so you're from horses to dogs. Mm. Um, Kite, one of three dogs to play Wellard in EastEnders, yeah. was also the pet of Maximus in Russell in the in Gladiator. Was so he one really? of Russell Crowe's oh, versatility there to go from lot. the soap, go from well because you have to be different to be Wellard. Yeah, to be very different. You know, running around the the square, Albert Square is very different to how you're meant to be. You know, the dog of the Gladiator. I don't remember a big role for. Um, the dog in in Gladiator. It's uh, it's well certainly done. not as big as Russell Crowe's. Um, no, it's but true. He, um, I'd love to see him do inside the actor's studio. Just talking about some of the different roles he's. Well, Wellard for me, <laughs> that was. I mean, it's regular work. You could just see him sitting there, with legs yeah, crossed. Absolutely, but you know, people underestimated what I had to do as Wellard. Yeah, I think that's what that's he would right. say. Yeah. He was one of three to be Wellard. Myself and Dean, we became great friends. <laughs> so let me just tell you some of the back. Just she. Babs was lovely. And be doing all yeah, that, wouldn't exactly. you? Doing all that. Yeah. Actually, off 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 screen, 
Dean and I hated one another, yeah. but we were so professional. Yeah. We had it. We had yeah. We 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 managed to cover it up for the cameras. Now on to the world of sports, mm-hmm. and uh, I watched a bit of hundred last. I'm very much enjoying the hundred, but mm. I said you know you'd expect me to because I like cricket. Yes, so, you do. Yes, uh, they haven't necessarily converted me from somebody who couldn't stand the game before. But uh, Liam Livingston was just ridiculous last night. It's the highest score by an individual, I think, 92 from 40 balls, and he was seeing it like a beach ball. It was 50 off 20, wasn't he? Yeah, it was a ludicrous uh, display of batting. Uh, lots of sixes. The interesting thing was there was three catches in the crowd, oh, which wow. is great. Even is the, good, last, the last six that won the game. Although they, I think the cameras didn't show you that as it happened because they stayed on the on the batsman. Um, and, yeah. and do you win a Renault 5 for catching it? Is that I don't that? know. I mean, I think quite a, everybody who did catch the ball got the replays. And I think the, the moment of the match was the first catch because the guy stacked it. He, as he reached out, he went over the chair oh, okay. in front of him and spilled his pint. But that's one of the kind of aspects of American sport that this is that they obviously do follow the people taking the catches in the crowd. Do you remember the Big Bash that they would put someone on a platform? Mm. I think it was the Big Bash. And you know, if you won, if you got the golden ticket, then you'd stand on like a big platform. And if you caught a six on the platform, you'd win a hundred thousand dollars or something like that. Yeah. Oh, are that, are yeah, you keen a- on that? Um, not massively, no. I mean, okay. I, I went. <clears throat> I went when I was uh, on holiday once in Antigua. Um, they, the the Alan Stanford, the Stanford Cup, remember mm. that sort of that sort of yes, gaudy trinket. Yes, yeah. The late Alan Stanford, the uh, defrocked cricket fan, of course, who was on the island and, and came up with that big pot of money for uh, the England players to go out there and play, and all sorts of stuff went mm. on. Um, they had a thing that had on, he had his own ground right next to the airport uh, at Antigua, and they had this sort of weather vane up there. And if you hit it, I think it was any batsman. So if you hit a plane, no, be quite worrying. any batsman that hit this weather vane was, I think it was a hundred, hundred thousand dollars or something like oh, that, fun, like real tennis. Yeah, so no one, no one did it as far as I was concerned. But that, that would they have got the money on. anyway? Is a, yeah. is a big question. Yeah, that's that's very um, true. I know you like competitive eating. <clears throat> Mm, well, I do. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if we've spoken to Max Stanford before. I think we have. But he yeah, demolished yeah. Um, how many beef tacos in an hour? Less than an hour. Less than an hour. What's your number of tacos in an hour? That's endurance eating. It absolutely is. You're absolutely right. That's the 3,000 metre steeplechase, really. There's Rupert. There he is. Rupert's on TV. He's now popped up with a microphone. He looks slightly constipated. (laughs) He's thrusting a microphone in front of John Gosden, the uh, the trainer. And it's interesting. He's really grimacing there. He really really was, wasn't he? He looks like, yeah, (laughs) it's a very (laughs) odd face that Rupert (laughs) has got on there. Kidney stone. Yeah, it's the sort of thing that'll end up on uh, like a sporting it'll be all right on the night wasn't it you know with uh, David Walliams saying well look at this guy was he constipated it does yeah I think Rupert uh, that clip's going to do the rounds I think oh no he's he's still is he facing into the sun I don't know what he is maybe he's standing on like a like a you know is he standing on a man trap or some drawing pins the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport there we are that was this afternoon's show we do it all again tomorrow Max's final show Mm. in this slot a great shame as he before he heads to Australia but you You'll still be around weekends, won't you? I'll be around be weekends, and yeah. uh, you know it's not the end of the birthday spreads. You no. know, whatever happens tomorrow, I'm I vow yeah. to chase down your lead. Okay, over somehow. time, somehow. Oh, somehow we'll just work it out. Okay, good stuff. Um, so Max back tomorrow uh, alongside me. More live racing. Have a great evening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between one and four p.m. on Talksport. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 